right and the left. That's correct. You are. Because you're living on a line. Car, I don't know what it is, man. You, it's first of all, you have a tremendous voice. Oh, thank you. People ever told you that? I'm sure you've gotten that a lot. You have a powerful voice. Well, when my gain's turned up, it's easy. <laughs> you have really one of the archetypal radio voices. Oh, you thank you. You deserve to hear that every day. That's, That's very true. It's very true. But you got to turn that down because you're blowing I, my ears out. Really? I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I am, really? I am like way down. Really? Yeah. Hold on. Well, then maybe it's pause. Maybe pause just has to turn his up a little bit. Y'all pause, can you do that? What do you want me to turn up? Can you turn that gain up a little bit? I, I've I already I got gotta... my gain maxed. Man. Oh my god! And car, you're saying yours is all the way down, man? Radio. Uh. Or whatever. Here. Radio or whatever. Is it really that bad? Well, it's better now. I don't know what you did. What do you do with your settings, Bird? Mine? It's called yeah. Hope. Hope. Ah, uh, the Hope uh, for the best. The glue yeah. of the podcast. Ever when my computer broke, I've completely destabilized any of my ability to control anything. Oh, stability. So I've. Yeah. yeah correct. Pretty stability. rare. Stability. We are n- name of the game on this show. We really try. Um. So. I was gonna. We were gonna do some Colin Powell talk at the end, but um, might as well roll right into that first, and then we'll get to the the usual stuff. Fellas, I went on a deep dive <laughs> on some weird news. I like weird news, um, but I was having some trouble coming up with topics, and so I kind of did. A, I, we got some lightning round stuff because I saw so much weird little news that we'll get into that later. But pause. Thank you for filling in for our. Um, mendicant co-host who uh has decided he just uh, doesn't work for this show anymore i suppose he's out he's out well you know that's exactly why i'm here in the first place right the counter check against his shenanigans that's That's true and and you do an excellent job of it my friend you do an excellent job of it um i want to open the show with uh so colin powell died um people had their say Yeah. (laughs) Um, People have had their say. Don't be mean. Brad Palumbo taking the grand's, you know, the stand to be very brave and defend Colin Powell's honor. We appreciate that, Brad. You're welcome on the show anytime. Um, And then another guy weighed in. (laughs) (laughs) This, this, you know, it's good when. It gets posted two or three times in the TLE chat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> people just post it without looking in the chat first. They're just like, the guys need to see this. It, <laughs> this is art. 
Yeah. I mean, this is it, one of the finest things. It really is. I kept going because it got posted like three times in the TLE <laughs> chat by every single member. And every time I went in to go check to see if something had changed, but it was just everyone coming to the realization that some insane post had happened. So I, I couldn't literally the real. only person that didn't post that. Yeah. You might have been. I, I <laughs> no, didn't. I am. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Five or maybe total I just, people yeah. in that chat, and it got posted four times, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> it keeps going up. Well, I couldn't believe this was even real. I think Aaron posted it first. Which I appreciate because, again, since he's not here, at least he contributed yeah. something. This is because I wouldn't have seen it otherwise. I mean, unless it didn't get posted several other times. <laughs> um, a, a statement released by Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States of America. Evidently, he wasn't a fan of Colin Powell. It reads Wonderful to see Colin Powell who made big mistakes on Iraq and famously so-called weapons of mass destruction, be treated in death so beautifully by the fake news media. Hope that happens to me someday. He was a classic rhino, if even that, always being the first to attack other Republicans. He made plenty of mistakes, but anyway, <laughs> may he rest in peace. But anyway is just Dude, doing hit some him with the butt anyway. Just backbreaking work in that. That is, that is unbelievable, incredible. dude. Really carrying that that uh, post all the way through. He he has the ability to say so much with so few words. Yeah, which and is he something, never gets mad. It's it's something that I appreciate. I think I was uh, in the gentleman's chat talking about that. How much I love brevity. And uh, yeah. we were workshopping. I think it was a cotton tweet, and uh, and you know, I, I you know, I offer I offer my advice, and I know everybody has their own style. But I, whenever I'm crafting a capital T tweet, I t tend to look at it for 10, 15 minutes and see how many words I can eliminate. I just I really it, like yeah, the, the brevity, which is which is something that Trump excels at. And the thing for me, the thing that I like the most about the the, the Trump statement is the interjections. <laughs> he always has at least two interjections just to get to the point, but it's but they are yeah, <laughs> cutting. They, they so are. wonderful to see Colin Powell immediately breaks into two interjections who made big mistakes on Iraq and famously, second interjection, so-called weapons of mass destruction just... be treated in death so beautifully by the fake news media. And he adds fake news media. Man, he has his whole lore crafted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he uses it like J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> like, it's it's out there, and it has to be applied. Yeah. And he just... Colin Powell, I'm sure, did a lot of things in his time. Pause. Perhaps you can educate us on some of the... I, I saw some things I didn't even know he, was, he, he had a part in. But he manages to just boil down big mistakes in Iraq and famously so-called weapons of mass destruction. Trump's ability... Because well, it is famous, but Trump's ability to use the right adjectives, yeah, <laughs> to kind of weave what you what you should think <laughs> about the story, it's art, man. I I hope to get to the point someday where I can I can write out a thought in the way that the man speaks. It's so if I can incredible say just a little bit about that specifically before we get to the actual please topic. do please do I am uh, pretty anti-Trump. I've thought he was a sleazeball for a long time before he ran for office. But one thing that redeems him deeply in my eyes is that he has one of the most pure voices, you know, capital V voices 
of anyone ever in American history. His <laughs> rhetorical true. style and his writing style, his word crafting, as it were, is totally unreplicable. You know, yes, he cannot absolutely. replicate it. Yep, and no matter how true. many other right-wing politicians try and do his bit, no one can come even close. That's a really no. good point, Paz. That's a really good point. You can read. There is nobody. There is nobody, uh, no right-wing commentator or presence. And I'll go so far as to say there's no left-wing commentator or presence that you can so immediately identify who the person is behind the quote as you can Trump. Hope that happens to me someday. <laughs> it's crazy. It's remarkable. It's also one of the greatest blessings a person can have to have yeah. an identifiable voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, this gentleman is a legitimate player character in a world of NPC talking. <laughs> Truly. A <laughs> M- million, million times true. Um, but anyway, may he rest in peace. It's, it, it's, and, and I, and I want to just... <laughs> Trump, that is, not yeah. Powell. <laughs> he... Rip Donald Trump. It was good knowing you, King. His, his ability to... Like this is this is seething. This is this is he, he's absolutely roasting the pig over the spit with this, but it Destroying it him, doesn't yeah. come off. The words themselves aren't malicious. You know, it's it's no, they're you, true you statements. It, you're yeah, it's true <laughs> statements. It's never it, it. He hides the attack in the oh by the way, like what, what yeah, you right. you know. It's just <laughs> wild, wild stuff. Really incredible. Truly a populist too, because yeah. he it's it's the exact right guy who who you should be attacking upon death. I wish he would have did the same thing for John McCain. I don't right. really think he did. Well, uh, but, you know. he did in the in he did in the uh, in the election in the original 2016 election. This is true in, in interviews, and and he did the same to Bush, and he did the same to all of these so-called or uh, classic, I guess, as he says, rhinos. Um, you know, uh, I think that's been a common theme, and I think that's something that has. Uh, that is the sort of thing that captured a lot of uh, libertarians' hearts, for better or worse, about the guy, that is, is that he just put people, he just skewered people that we hate. It's so true. He he barrels right through it, man. It's great. But this isn't about Donald. Well, I hope I hope that we have more Donald in the near future, but this is... Uh, I, oh, yeah, I'm voting for him, Carr. That <laughs> was is the Kool-Aid that... man of American politics. <laughs> the man, that is such an interesting way to so put true. it. Just barreling in with some insane statement and then just off disappearing. Out. Just yeah. walks out of the broken house. That tweet that we just yeah. read, or whatever you want to call it, that statement we just read, is what will guarantee They're me tweets. voting for him yeah. in whatever the next election is. That was it. God. That was the one. That was the winner. Uh. Um, but let's 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 approach it. Now, pause. Don't feel to carry this on i i just i tasked you the best researcher that we have uh with checking in on some colin powell uh mishaps uh in time because we all know about iraq weapons of mass destruction there's other stuff too i, I suppose although we were talking right before the start of the show and you kind of blew my mind with something there too so upon receiving the research uh opportunity what did you wh- what was your first move so as it turns out this man's story really starts with uh, an ROTC kid in college. So that tells you right there that he's a flag nerd, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. He takes that straight into an army commission. And his first real gig, his first real army boy moment seems to be as a lieutenant in uh, the early days of Nam in 62. Now you flash forward to 68 and he's already climbing the ranks pretty quickly. 
I have to assume he's doing that by gargling boots based on his later career. But that's where it gets really interesting and really spicy. Because as the real intense uh, years of Vietnam drag on, this dude's first big claim to fame was literally covering up Vietnamese war crimes by saying, oh, I only read the headline of this report and didn't pass it on to my superior. <laughs> specifically, specifically, the big case that uh, you'll find commentators pointing to most frequently is an incident in which 500 civilians were massacred by a U.S. attack. And Powell's statement to this, and the reason he did not pass it on to his superiors, is because he claimed that 128 dead is not out of line for that sort of combat engagement. Are you talking about so Milai? What? Is it, was it the, are you talking about the Milai massacre? I, I, what yes. massacre was it? Yes, oh, my God. I, yeah, that I did not know. We did not talk about this. So yeah, he helped so, to cover that up? Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, he received oh, the Jesus. report from two different separate whistleblowers. And then when interviewed about it, said that there was only a quarter of the actual casualties, and that's why he didn't pass it on to his superiors. Wow. So basically, the dude just rolled up, started immediately licking boots and towing the company line to cover up Vietnamese war crimes. And that's what kept him escalating in rank. You know, protection from the military industrial complex through his complicity. I had no fucking idea he did that. Wow. Uh, so where it goes from there is his continued escalation into the actual military industrial complex itself. And it was at this point I found some sources trying to say that he was rabbied into it by a couple of Nixon administration men. And I would just like to say, as one of the top ten premier Nixon apologists in this corner <laughs> yeah. of Twitter, that that is patently false. And the Dick gentleman... Gang. Yep. Dick Gang. The uh, gentlemen that are referred to when people try to make that claim are actual actually hw bush disciples mm. so this dude received the uh, protective embrace of the bush crime family who then continued to spirit him up the ranks until he was eventually a general who played some role as a liaison between various other government agencies and the defense industry which put him in unique place to facilitate several of the actual sales in Iran-Contra, which he promptly claimed to have had nothing to do with because he handed it off to one of his uh, junior officers, or one of the officers underneath him. <laughs> so he's approached by the CIA, asked for X number of missiles. He says, oh, well, you probably shouldn't do that. Anyways, take one of my colonels and go do it anyways. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> <laughs> and then but, sets him up with it. So this dude was directly involved in Iran-Contra and somehow escaped that one without any blowback on his career potential. Uh, he moved from there to, what was it, National Security Advisor for HW? Which, of course, you know, should make all the sense in the world how that move happened. Mm -hmm. Because, as we know, Iran-Contra wasn't even actually a Reagan thing. That was how H.W. was getting the cocaine for his drug empire, which was run by his sons, George and Jeb, through Arkansas, mm -hmm. where Mr. Bill Clinton was governor at the time. Yep. So this dude 
anyways, back to Paolo. This dude, he continues to uh, fillet H.W. Bush, which gets him in one of the seats of power for Iraq 1. And this is where a lot of people really remember his legacy and why neocons think the dude was so great. He does appear to have actually been the direct architect of the uh, aerial blockades and no-fly zones over Iraq through most of the 90s. Oh, God. I didn't know that. Jeez. And then he uh, eventually retires from public service when his paymasters, the Bush, are out of uh, power. And comes back for one last hurrah with George, where he decides to be the greatest salesman anyone's ever seen for the weapon of mass destruction line. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. now, a lot of people seem to think that originated with him. I don't know for a fact that it didn't, but just based on his track record, it seems relatively apparent to me that he was probably just pushing someone else's line like he did his entire career. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I think that was always my impression. I mean, not that I knew it, uh, you know deeply but uh as an elder millennial and someone who was you know had an eye on that uh, uh, you know just as a man coming of combat age fairly shortly after uh you know the invasion of iraq and and the i guess the lead up to it i i always got that impression um that he was just carrying water for someone else but uh his speech to the un was if i can throw one last factoid i was able to dig out here I do think it's worth noting that towards his, the end of his uh, tenure with Bush the Younger as Secretary of State, he was a known source for and collaborator with Mr. Woodward, who we may remember as the author behind Watergate, and furthermore, one of the biggest CIA stooges of all time. That dude is at the heart of every political coup in America in the last going on 50 years now, and has been known to be a journalistic uh, king maker and king slayer. So mm. what the hell he was doing with the uh, intelligence community behind George's back, perhaps he sold out the Bushes at the end of his public service in order to guarantee that his sterling reputation uh, came with him in the retirement? Who knows? That would mm. be my first suspicion, but I can't guarantee that either. Mine too. Well, there you go. Uh, but anyway, quick and dirty. That, that's yeah. the that is the that is the eulogy. But anyway, yeah, an Illuminati hanger on who can never touch the real power. Mm. Sure, but don't be mean to him. God forbid you offend someone. Oh Lord. Yeah, God forbid you uh, choose to elevate the deaths he caused over his own well-deserved death. Right. Very true. Very true. Pause. Uh, now, I got something for you before we get on to the fun stuff. Pause. I, I found something very interesting. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on it. On October 5th in Canada, so you, are, oh, you already know this is bad news. Mm-hmm. NATO came together, bad news, uh, to have a panel discussion. And the subject was cognitive warfare. So back in 2020, uh, NATO sponsored this study on cognitive warfare. And it, in the, I don't know, I forget what you call it, but in, in the opening lines, it's, it reads, quote, while actions taken in the five domains, this is five domains of the brain, 
are executed in order to have an effect on the human domain. Cognitive warfare's objective is to make everyone a weapon. Continuing, it says, The brain will be the battlefield of the 21st century. Humans are the contested domain, and future conflicts will likely occur amongst the people digitally first and physically thereafter in proximity to hubs of political and economic power. So they go on in the report, warning of a fifth column embedded in NATO, where everyone, unbeknownst to him or her, is behaving according to the plans of one of our competitors. The study makes it very clear the competitors are China and Russia. Basically, in other words, the document shows that NATO has a military cartel that is increasingly interested in seeing its own domestic population as a threat, fearing that people will potentially become Chinese or Russian sleeper cells, and that they'll be part of this fifth column that wants to challenge the stability of Western liberal democracies. It really makes you think about what Biden said recently about how there's fewer. You saw this. Not fewer. Fewer. Mm-hmm. Not more. Fewer. Fewer. Which, by the way, is a deep fake. I mean, it, the, the language is not. The face is a deep fake. You think? Totally. No, it is. There's an oh, original okay. video. Yeah, okay. it's it's wow. odd. I mean, it's still spooky, but the deep fake was just made to make him look more demonic. You know, again, we are the number one Biden tracking, along with the number one <laughs> rape tracking podcast yeah. in America. We are the number one oh. Biden tracking podcast. And so I just wanted to make that clear to everybody. That video you saw is probably the deep fake and not the original. Just if his face looks extremely contorted the whole time, it's a deep fake. So who do you think made the deep fake? Oh, I don't know. Some some shit stirrer. Some scrub. Yeah, some shit. It doesn't look real at all to me as somebody who may or may not know quite a thing about deep fakes. For, for un, unbeknownst reasons yeah. uh, that don't have anything to do with pornography, <laughs> listeners. Don't get it in your head. It's something much more interesting than that. <laughs> Marie-Pierre Raymond is a Canadian lieutenant colonel retired who currently serves as a defense scientist. Uh, he said on the panel, Long gone are the days when war was fought to acquire more land. Now the new objective is to change the adversary's ideologies, which makes the brain the center of gravity of the human, and it makes the human the contested domain, and the mind becomes the battlefield. When we speak about hybrid threats, cognitive warfare is the most advanced form of manipulation seen to date. Um, to influence a group of a group of individuals on their on on their behavior with the aim of gaining a tactical or strategic advantage. And she also notes uh, the rapid evolution of neurosciences as a tool of war. <laughs> so this is what NATO is up to. So uh, they're talking about brain war. I would just like to say that the most interesting part of this is their big public reveal of it more than anything. Mm-hmm. Because as we know, the U.S. spook community has been doing this for approaching 100 years already. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. We know that the U.S. military proper has been doing this for uh, definitely over 40, probably closer to 50 years, including one of my personal favorite boogeymen and the Mind War report of the 90s. So I guess the big thing here is just them publicly speaking about how they're afraid they're about to get gladioed by their own projects. You know, uh, really, what this uh, sounds like to me 
is like them admitting that Ultra and its successor projects got away from them, and now they're afraid of someone running Gladio against them after they did it all over the rest of Europe. Right. Huh. The thing that's really weird to me, well, is the acknowledgement that um, the human brain is a battlefield, meaning there's going to be two sides fighting over your brain. Or more. Or more. Which is interesting to me because the question of, you know, the individual who wants to make up his own mind is obviously not in any way included, which is not troubling because it's a big reveal that the military doesn't want you to think freely. It's just kind of an interesting acknowledgement that you're their property and they don't want you becoming someone else's property. That, to me, is the interesting thing to say out in public, I'm sure. Many people, not our listeners, but many people who would view this would not even catch that part. But the the, the question of your <laughs> cognitive sovereignty doesn't come into play. It's not of their interest. It is uh, the, the war over your brain is going to be fought, and we want to win it. We want your brain so that they can have your brain, which is really, a, of course, only the concern to the military people because, like, it doesn't really matter from the individual's end, does it? Whose brain is whose property? You know, one more thing occurring to me as I sit here thinking about it, if I may be permitted to get even weirder and even spookier with this. It's October. What are the implications then as far as egregores also go? You know, if you buy into the idea that uh, communally and multiply fed psychic beings are real, and that ideologies are either a literal or at least figurative extension of this, does this mean then that the military believes in the stavish idea of egregores and that they are intentionally trying to feed them because they think other nation states are intentionally feeding explicit specific egregores? That seems to me to be a possibility here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's 100% what's going on. Yes, especially when you can when you widen the uh, definition of egregore from the kind of uh, explicit thought demon yeah, to a little yeah. bit broader definition to a broader definition of you know kind of creating reality using thought almost yeah. uh, right. which seems pretty feasible. I mean, honestly, this is just information war, right? Y- yeah, yeah, which is like the other and big hub. I don't like, think those two conceptions of egregore are in conflict. No, no, not at all. No, I think they're. No, that, I think one's a subset of the other. For right? sure. I mean, that is what is. It's just information warfare, like you said, Carr. It, it is the to me the thing that is interesting is the is the tip of the hand, which isn't like like it used to be, um, the red menace, right? That mm-hmm, you lived right. in freedom, right? You you lived in liberty. Who wouldn't want that individualist society? Who wouldn't want these things? And the communists were going to try and take your mind over. And, and give up your sovereignty. That line has been dropped from the conversation entirely. It isn't um, the American promise or the Western promise is freedom, uh, egalitarianism, democracy, as they would have liked to have you believe it in the past. That this is for your benefit. This is so you can make free choices, have free speech, things like that. We can, we can help uphold the negative rights that have been guaranteed to you. It is just at this point, you are now part of a battlefield. That and that your terrain needs to be ceded by the American military or I guess the greater NATO uh, operation instead of them. 
There's no Dear promise citizen, of anything on your you end. You are the Maginot line. Yeah. You exist to protect our corporate fascism Correct. from their Duganist fourth way evils. That's yeah. exactly Insane. what I think is interesting. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. pause. Well, yeah, There's and I'm, I mean, uh, to tie it back to egregores, I mean, what is the United States as a nation state other than just a gigantic egregore, right? Like, it doesn't actually... Oh, totally. It's spawned <laughs> entirely these from days. ideology as yeah, opposed yeah. to territory. It, yeah. yeah, it's not... I mean, it's just a thought. Like, it's just an abstract. It's not... It doesn't actually exist anywhere. It's just a commonly held belief. It's a mutually held belief that we all live in the United States and we all go get our passports and our driver's license. Not you, car, though. Well, right. now, not since yeah, I Carcadia is holding tight. Yeah. That's right. We have our own uh, information. <laughs> little going egregore on going on? You got yeah, a little egregore yeah. over Yeah, we're developing our own little egregore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a little cage. Yeah, we feed them some scraps every now That would technically be a tulpa, seeing as how it's only being fed by one individual. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. Listen, pause. To be yeah, a lot of people believe in the Carcadian ideal. Yeah. They just aren't geographically attached to it. Right. They just may not be a part of it. <laughs> yeah. It's happened. It's in the works. You really need to beef up your information warfare, Carcadian. I'll yeah, tell I you gotta, what. They yeah, are really, you are a part of a battlefield. To the information uh, bureau. Uh, the Carcadian <laughs> going, bureau. The Carcadian in the bathroom. bureau of information. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's where I do most of my thinking. That's where I do most of my tulpa development. <laughs> Please, welcome into my information warfare office. <laughs> welcome do, into the bathroom to stand yeah, on the bath mat. Do, do I have to be in here with you? Yes. It's, yes. it's tulpa time. Now, I'm going to take my pants off, but don't worry. That's part of the regulation. <laughs> that's just what we do here. The Carcadian tulpa. salute. It's just yeah. dropping your drawers. Yeah. It is now. Time capital to think. <laughs> I'm telling you, we all gotta we all gotta beef up because apparently Man, we're part that's of a, a war we're not fighting. That's a that'd be a good oh, one of those look, like little I don't know like about you guys, but I've been fighting the mind war for years. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, that would be a great one of those you know those like little like live laugh love like knitted signs or whatever. That <laughs> it's it's tulpa time like right over the, the <laughs> toilet. <laughs> Wow, actually, you know what? That's pretty, That's good. pretty good. You know what? We have time. creative enough people out there in the listener pool. I bet you could commission one. Yeah, oh, without yeah. a doubt. Man, it's we need to time. not have any control over our own store and just let other people just, make the yeah. t-shirt and operate the store for us. Well, part, part one's already complete. So, <laughs> this for is the listeners who hear this, I was serious about that offer several weeks ago. If you have interest in running the Scarlet Thread Society Etsy store, get at me. Because I love For merchandise, real. but I've shown myself not to have the talent to do it. Just a little plug here, mid-episode. Likewise. Wow. Mid-episode? <laughs> yeah, really. Like Again, yeah, I agree. Uh, All of it, Just do it. Somebody run it for us, please. Get a uh, different elf. We'll get an yeah. elf who we don't verbally abuse every time we come on this episode. We'll treat you nicely, I promise. But you do have to come into the bathroom. That's, That's true. Because <laughs> it, it is Tulpa time. Yes. It, it will remain Tulpa time. Uh, let's get a little bit more of the boring news out of the way before we get to the interesting stuff. Um, I'm so sure y'all saw Delta Airlines um, is now pacing backwards rapidly. Um, they claim that their company's reached 90% vaccination. Um, they expect it to rise to 95 uh, within next month. They were the only airline uh, not to abide by the vaccination mandate in the first place. Uh, they never had one. Um, the mandate, the CEO said, was put in place by the president. Uh, and just because they wanted to make sure companies had a plan to get their employees vaccinated. Uh, a month before that, the CEO already announced that there already was a plan to get people vaccinated. The good news is the plan is working. All you need to do, of course, is to scare the shit out of people, threaten to fire them in order to boost compliance, put a massive, completely egregious 
um, insurance surcharge on their paycheck in order to get them to do that. Um, you know, basically garnish their wages until they comply. So that's not great, but that did happen. Uh, more interesting, I don't know if you guys heard this. This is quite recent. Southwest Airlines. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Is actually almost totally giving in. Um, workers who refuse to get the shot by the December 8th deadline they originally set up will not lose their jobs. They have to wear masks and socially distance. I don't know what that means. Uh, evidently, I think like most things, it will mean absolutely nothing right. once the working has to be done. Yeah. Um, it, only, it applies to everybody except those uh, who have applied for and not yet received uh, religious or medical exemptions um, as a federal contractor. They are subject to Biden's mandate, but it seems like they are not going to follow it if, if that is the case. Um, labor unions have tried to block the mandate. Really, this is one situation where the labor unions are doing the good work. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's and it's far between. First but it's, time ever. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's not just them, though. It's actually the Southwest employees as well. Because, you know, and I know this because this is local uh, down here. Um, mm -hmm. adjacent to Carcadia and, and my neighbors to the all around in Texas Correct. where Southwest is headquartered. Um, they've been out there basically like uh, not necessarily striking, I guess, but protesting outside of the Southwest headquarters, like a bunch of employees right. for, I think, several days now. Um, and, you know, what's interesting about this, it, it, does anybody, first of all, before I make a fool of myself, does anybody know the status of Biden's mandate uh, with regards to the, the 100 employee plus, you know, that whole deal? The status of it, I mean, it's it's gonna it's in suit. Okay. Um, it's it's, it's gonna go still through doing the court process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just it feels like this whole thing was was a it continues to be a standoff where the powers that be that want to push the mandate were unwilling to cross the Rubicon, but just wanted to stand with weapons drawn on one side of the Rubicon until everybody just complied. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And uh, and that just seems like, you know, and then the, the, thank God the labor unions, the the individuals, uh, you know, have been have been um, pushing back. But there there still has not really been. Now, there are companies that did do that did um, push mandates, I'm sure. Yes. Like and fire the, employees uh, yeah. uh, and fire people. Yes. Like I, that's pretty well documented. But by and large, like when you look at every single company in in the country you're talking about a very very small percentage right i mean it, it's think, mostly just been posturing and um threatening and and that whole thing nothing has really like happened yet right i mean for instance my company has maybe 800 900 yeah. people in it okay there's n no announcement of anything yeah right no i don't know I, in fact i don't really know i've seen it on twitter i've seen people say well it's my last day yada yada, yada but i don't know anybody in my personal life you know who... i wonder how much that twitter stuff yes real. i agree right, me too agree. that makes Pause. me wonder how much how much that's that's real as well because i, mm -hmm. I don't know anybody my company's not, not made mention of it um we do know one person car who we correspond with uh, relatively frequently, but he works for a federal oh, agency. Yes, you're, yes, you're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And he yep, did have to get the vaccination. Yeah, I forgot um, about that. Yeah, which really yeah, does but... suck. But that's really he's the only one I can think of. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I, that, that's right. I, I just one. But that. I mean, come on. I mean, that's that's less people than you know who've gotten coronavirus, and you barely knew anyone who got coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. the thing right there. Yeah, man. 
the whole thing is a big fucking uh, Huxleyan show. Really, it's it's wild. Um, but that's that's the update so far. Um, again, I'm not a believer in protest. I don't think protest works. Uh, what I think works, if you're going to protest, do do a sit-in or if or really shut the whole country down the way that the air traffic controllers did nearly could have. Really, mm-hmm. if you're going to protest, it has to be something that shuts the economy down. Just I get think that protest is a pretty effective cover for other covert stuff. But yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're the cops and you want to burn buildings down, sure, it's great for you. I, if you're doing the street walking type of protest, I've never been convinced. If you actually are in a position, and by the way, most of those people aren't even employed, so of course they don't have any say or power. If you're an air traffic controller, or you work uh, the railways, or you're a truck drivers, or you know people who form literally the blood cells of this country's economy. Discussion? You can start a discussion? Well, yeah. I think you're just talking about having leverage. Like if you're, if you're, yeah, you need one leverage. Of the, one sure. of the unemployed, you know, if you're unemployed and you're just marching around the street, sure, you, you know, you can make some noise or whatever. But at the end of the day, you don't really have any power. You don't have any leverage. But if you have Correct. you and you know five percent, three percent, two percent of of a certain company say we're just not going to do this, and you make mm-hmm. a ruckus about it, you you actually have leverage. You have some leverage. Oh, yeah. maybe, and the maybe more not people whose in, day in you every... can ruin, the exactly. better. Exactly, because most of these companies, like a lot of companies, they don't want to, they're not, they, they, you know, they're not ideologically driven. They're a lot, the, a lot of these companies, like your size company, Bird, my size company, everybody, you know, the, these, these companies that exist sub, um, you know, corporate state entanglement level yeah like um, ten thousand employees yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, right. probably just don't really care they just don't want a whole lot middle management doesn't want a whole lot of disruption because it just makes mm-hmm. a headache for them and if you can just make a headache people are like well what's the headache if we back off of this and what's the headache if we continue forward and the yep. lesser headache wins yeah 100 percent. Yeah, absolutely um at this point i'm going to pivot us <laughs> so again i was telling you earlier um, I had trouble finding um, some, you, you, you know how the show works at this point. Anything that I scratch my head at is probably going to make it onto TLE. Um, there's a real banger of a story at the end. Very confusing. Uh, we're going to go with loser of the week uh, this week first. You know, I usually do car, you know, king of the week is usually what I'll focus sure. on now first. Yeah. We're going to do loser of the week first because I have a rapid fire king of the week segment just to kind of blast out as many kings as i possibly can but loser of the week or should i say losers of the week Mm. are guys named nigel nigel (laughs) the office of national statistics it's an english department (laughs) of the government has revealed no baby boys in england or wales were named nigel last year it is possible that there were two Nigels brought into the world, as the ONS doesn't list names that are used fewer than three times, but the name still appears to be dying out. The ONS reported that there's a very real possibility we'll be living in a Nigel-free world by 2050. Inshallah. Wow. Yeah, inshallah. Listen, by, 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 Nigels are dying out, Olivers and Olivias are booming. Okay, Cheyenne Bradford, who is a member of the Vital Statistics Outputs branch of the ONS, said Oliver and Olivia held the top spots as the most popular boys and girls names in 2020, but some interesting things took place beneath them. For example, Archie, this is troubling, jumped into the top 10 boys' names for the first this is time. Trouble. Hello. 
Archie. <laughs> and then and then <sighs> Ivy rose to sixth place among girls. Ivy. Hello. Hello. Uh, t- ridiculous. Bold move now, giving your children stripper names. For really? Birth. Unbelievable. Archie, yeah. <laughs> We know one Archie who's celebrating right now. <laughs> Reflecting on the inspiration from such a tragic event, Nigel Smith said, quote, It started as a laugh to get Nigels together. He's talking, of course, about the gathering of the Nigels, an event that was held in 2019. Because there were no Nigels registered in 2016 either. Hello. So they thought it would be a good idea to get it, everybody together. Basically, he in the year 1963, this is a quote from Nigel Smith. In the year I was born, 1963, there were over 5,000 Nigels born. It was peak Nigel. It was so ubiquitous, <laughs> it became a, much aligned. At school, I used to have the Mickey taken out of me. I've got two children, and none are called Nigel. So the guy couldn't even keep Nigel in the family. Look, dude, if you've got two kids, it doesn't matter. You can name them Nigel. You absolutely can. And Be you a should, hero. So. Name your daughter Nigel. Save keep your it alive. Line. Keep Nigel alive. Uh, Peak Nigel is a really, <laughs> right? really good band name. <laughs> <laughs> That would be like an incredible '80s glam rock. Uh, I, I like, completely like agree. Briti- or maybe British Invasion band name. <laughs> like a uh, yeah, British Invasion like cover Jimmy band name. Eats world shit is what it needs to be. <laughs> uh, listen, I TLE listeners, if you have a baby on the way, Nigel. and you're not opposed to the name Nigel, name him Nigel. Do it, boy, girl, doesn't matter. We got to save this name. Nigel's a great name. Nigel's an excellent name. Some of the best people I know are named Nigel. It's it's bizarre to me that uh, that that's just a bizarre name to die out. Nigel, right? It seems so middle of the road. Yeah, it seems so middle of, like Bradley. It's like that name will never go away, but it'll never be the top name either. It's just right. a middle of the road name, but it's going away. All right, it's going away. The next thing, this one's really going to blow your mind, fellas. There's a guy named, not Nigel, there's a guy named Ian Brackenbury (laughs) Chanel, I believe his name is. He has been serving as Christchurch, New Zealand, Christchurch, New Zealand, large city, New Zealand. He's been serving as the city's... that had the shooting? The shooting, yes. He's been serving as the city's appointed necromancer since the olden days of 1998. Hold Hold on, hold on. Yes. I know he was the town wizard, but was it literally necromancer? He he is entitled wizard. He has identified himself as necromancer. He's so made... why wasn't this dude burned at the stake? Yeah, it <laughs> because sounds like one a, thing to have a wizard, but to have a necromancer <laughs> sounds, sounds like a little. People bit know of... what that word means, right? So, like I know I'm a fantasy nerd, but that no, sounds he, like a, that sounds Zealand. like a little uh, mission creep on his end, huh? It's a god. It's a godless place, New Zealand. Yeah. He's made almost four hundred thousand U.S. dollars. Okay, four hundred thousand U.S. dollars to provide acts of wizardry and other wizard-like services. I don't know what it means. Anyway, they Rain have announced. I read the, the city council of Christchurch has announced that they will stop paying the official wizard any money, and that he's losing his job. He's not going to be there anymore. The wizard, 
who holds a New Zealand driver's license bearing the name The Wizard on it. He moved to the country in the 1970s, and he's been a major part of the Christchurch scene since then. He told CNN that he views himself less as a Gandalf and more as a goofball or a showman who brings joy to the city. And he said, quote, every day the world gets more serious. So fun is the most powerful thing in the world right now. It's an honorable thing. However, they gave him his pink slip. But that's not going to stop him from being himself across Christchurch. He's keeping the wizard thing going. And I quote, it makes no difference, he said. I will still keep going. They will have to kill me to stop me. So Killing him won't be enough. He's going to raise an zombies and drop them in their water supply. Yeah. This is very true. He can regenerate. This is very true. So that's Ian Brackenbury, uh, or Ian Sh- Brackenbury Chanel, who is the official wizard, has entitled himself Necromancer of uh, uh, New Zealand's city of Christchurch. I, I did some digging. I couldn't find any other city wizards <laughs> anywhere. Might have been a unique position, and they didn't give any explanation as to why they were letting him go. Um, Car, I'm going to ask you this plain and simply. Does Carcadia have a wizard? We do not. Not at this time. Seems Are you like taking you applications? <laughs> I got your man right here, man, buddy. He's right here. Now, I have a couple of highlights that I'd like to give out. We like to highlight kings on this show. Uh, this is a monarchist podcast, Cars. We figured out you are the monarch of Carcadia, and I like to highlight monarchs of the week, the king of the week. This time, king of the week, rapid fire. I've got several kings that I want to pass before you gentlemen. I just want to know if you agree with me. Do you think they're kings or not? The first one, this is a simple one. I'm calling him Bedsheet Man. He's an unnamed man in the Australian city of Perth. We know what's been going on in Australia. Well, this man was placed in mandatory quarantine in a hotel. However, he didn't want to abide by it. He escaped by scaling down the side of the building with a rope made of tied together bedsheets from the fourth floor classic after arriving in the west coast city of perth on an interstate flight from brisbane the man had his application for entry refused under the state's tough border entry rules in which intended to stop the virus as they say he was told to leave the state within 48 hours and then he was taken to a hotel for temporary quarantine but just before 1 a.m he climbed out of the window of the fourth floor using a rope made of bed sheets he fled the area the policy has brought a series of escapes. A woman was accused, she did this, of climbing down two balconies and kicking a door in to evade quarantine on the northeast hub of the city of Cairns. Police found the man across town. Eight hours later, they arrested him, charged him with failing to comply with the direction and providing mm-hmm. false and misleading information. They didn't disclose his identity. They said he was 39, and he tested negative for the virus. Jesus. It's complete insanity that human beings have to be led to this point, but he's an absolute king because it's got to take some real balls to trust those bedsheets, and you probably really have to want to leave. Definitely a king, no doubt. A king, in my mind. Absolute king. king. Yep, yep. A short one. A Los Angeles judge, not the king in question, on Monday approved the request of the rapper, producer, and fashion designer... Kanye Omari West to legally change his name from Kanye Omari West to just Ye. 
There being no objections, the petition for the name change is granted. The petition was filed on August 24th, and it cited personal reasons. That's all he wrote. He wrote personal reasons for why. He's been calling himself yay on his social media page for years. Sure. And he tweeted in 2018 that he wanted the change, and he said he is the being formerly known as Kanye West. He is yay. I'm going to so say is... unkingly just for stepping on Prince's spot with that last bit. <laughs> I, I I think Kingly, um, because a two-letter name is really right up there with Nigel. Not that many people have that name, a two-letter name. Paz, you do. You have a three-letter name, as that is your legal name, of course. Yes, clearly. That is your legal name. The next one, there was a man just last week in Egypt who was complaining about abdominal pains. Well, he went to Aswan University Hospital, and doctors treated him for intestinal and abdominal infections. However, when they put him under x-ray, they were stunned. Something was in his stomach. A mobile phone. Perhaps even more stunning, the man then confessed that he had swallowed the device half a year ago. What? But he was too embarrassed to admit himself into hospital and hoped that it would pass naturally. Hello. <laughs> Mohammed El Dashuri, who is the chairman of the board of directors of Aswan University Hospitals, said it was the first time that they had seen such a case in which a patient had swallowed an entire phone. He said entire. <laughs> can phone? you imagine? Can you imagine <laughs> twiddling your thumbs for six months, <laughs> waiting to quote unquote pass it naturally a five inch by fucking <laughs> like what? Kind of... You know what the worst part is? It was, there were pictures of it. It was a flip phone. <laughs> oh, man. So it was a real brick. Yeah. <laughs> Golly. Uh, There's that's... no update on his health. However, it is believed he'll make a full recovery, and it is completely unclear. No, no information given as to why he swallowed the phone in the first place. <laughs> um, but that. So what do we think? King? No king? You got to have a strong stomach, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Carrying around a mobile device like that for six months. I just. I want to figure out the angle that gets us to a can you hear me now joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, was the phone dead by the time that he swallowed it? Because if it was alive, you know the first thing I'm doing. Hey, call yeah, me. On that. Yeah. Of course. See, we're all in agreement here. That is obviously what you do. I'm going to say King because he managed to not die within a week. He was he alive for six, acid. six I mean, months. Geez. I know it's fucking insane, and and, a, and if you look at the pictures of this thing, your stomach does a real number to plastic. I, I didn't know this, but it oh, yeah, really dude. it works really well against plastic, just not that well. Can't really quite convert it to fecal matter, but it gets close. Well, um, that's why they got to feed us microplastics and exactly, exactly. It's crazy stuff, man. I, I thought it was nuts. And finally, and to me, this guy takes the cake, okay, because the situation is so relatable. Behan Mutlu, a 50-year-old man who lives in the northwest Bursa province of Turkey, was reportedly missing on Tuesday after he wandered away from his friends. He was reportedly drunk. So he got drunk, and he just wandered off. I have been known to do this. If you speak to people who've been around me when I'm drunk, I've wandered off numerous times. So I really sympathize with the guy. He wandered into the forest, and then he later unknowingly joined a search party for himself. 
Oh my a, god, I did see a, this. Yeah, a search yeah, really, operation really was formed to find him, and Mutlu joined the group of volunteers, not realizing that he was the person they were searching for. So at some point, they were yelling, "Mutlu, Mutlu, where are you?" And he became confused, and he asked who they were looking for. They said, "We're looking for Mutlu," and he goes, "I'm right here." Hello. <laughs> and so the police realized that was him, and they brought him home. <laughs> It's, it's a hell of yeah, a story. That, that's pretty great. That's better than getting 50. a mobile He's 50, phone by the way. Stuck in your stomach. That's really a solid 50-year-old uh, behavior right? right there. <laughs> getting drunk, wandering off, and then joining your own search party. It's excellent stuff, yeah. man. Mut- yeah. Shout out to Behan Mutlu. That also sounds like a uh, like a story from like 1885. A th- dude, a th- 1,000%, which is why I'm so glad it happened. Yeah. Because it, it just, things like that can happen. Mm-hmm. It's great, man. It yeah. really is great. Now, before we get to the final story, which is a real brain boggler, have either of you ever kind of been drunk and sort of wandered off? Oh, I do it. Yeah, constantly. Right? Absolutely not. What is I'm not that? a drunk wanderer. <laughs> what, is, what is that? I don't know. I, ju- I I think I get bored, and then uh, right? I just I just you like. Uh, let me see what happened. What's happening over there? Yeah. Uh huh. The number of times, and as, as we've talked about the smiley face killer several times on this show, it's really not yes. a wise thing for a man my age to be doing. <laughs> Absolutely but I, not. One thousand percent have been drunk in Central Florida and in Texas, and have wandered into the woods both times. <laughs> 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 it's yeah. wild stuff, man. I don't know what what it is. If it's like a callback to my my more primitive nature, I, I don't know. But it was very relatable. So Behan Mutlu, you taking the to me, he's taking the crown this week. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Now, it's stuff. I don't want to steal your capstone for the final article, but I would like to submit a queen of the week. Oh, please. Okay. We have had yet another instance. Of a child finding a crusader sword in a lake. Yes. An 11-year-old girl in Sweden dragged one out of a body of water. I don't know how you can be swimming in a lake in Sweden in the middle of October. Mm -hmm. But, you know, kudos to you. You're now the rightful queen of the country. Uh, Rule with beneficence. Great. (laughs) See, uh, I... There was another crusader sword that was just discovered recently. Was Was that the one you're talking about? It might be the same one, but I know there was also one in England not too long ago. Okay, because... Also a prepubescent female in that case. They... Okay, be, okay. I don't know which one you're talking about. Dude, this might be really weird if multiple were discovered this week or, or even this month. There was one discovered off the coast of Israel in the Mediterranean. That's definitely not the one. N- and that so one that was discovered... that another, then. Yeah, that one was discovered by a diver, and it was, like, six yards deep... Quite deep, and it was 170 yards out. It's far. It was just just there, floating around, and There's it's covered in seashells and shit. Been a Templar blade, dude. It's really weird. They're gonna clean it up and they're gonna look into it and see what it was. It's I, stuff like that is really interesting to me. Just finding swords in the <laughs> swords in the ocean and shit. Yeah, I love it. I wish I could be so blessed. Right yeah. to mm-hmm. find a sword in the ocean, man. That's the crowning piece that goes over the mantle, for sure. I wouldn't even clean it. No. no, you can. No, I would never forbidden. do it. For, <laughs> it is forbidden. forbidden. <laughs> you shall not clean the sword. <laughs> Final story. This one is really troubling. In Remember, what, uh, Carr, what year is it? 2021. And, and it's almost close to 2022. Yep. 
we're getting there. Yeah. Well, do you remember in the middle of 2017, there was a sculpture or a statue uh, uh, called Fearless Girl? Yes. Uh, are you talking about out in front of Wall Street? It was the young girl standing with her hips to uh, her hands on her hips, Akimbo. defiantly looking at a bull, the bull in in yes. in Wall Street, which has the been there, hell. will remain there. The famous, the charging bull, that's what it's known as. Well, just yesterday, no, two days ago. Sorry, because this is a live recording. Two days ago. <laughs> A new statue was put up. Everybody was like, are you kidding me? This is really, they did this for, they put up statues all the time to, to kind of uh, stare down the bull. I guess it's Wall Street's way of being like, fine, I guess you can say we're bad guys, but we're still going to make lots of money doing it. Anyway, they put up a new statue. Now the charging bull is being stared down by a seven foot tall statue. Of the famous Cincinnati Zoo gorilla Harambe. Oh, Harambe. <laughs> it is Sticks 2021 out. and we are still... Still, still on it. Still on this. <laughs> still on our bullshit about Harambe. The seven-foot statue was placed there by a social networking platform, Sapien Network. It was <laughs> ringed... It was... <laughs> It was, I know, just so nerdy. Just it was ringed themed Facebook or with 10,000 bananas oh, around man. its feet. Really just dancing the line between uh, <laughs> racism and, 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 and tribute. Unbelievable, dude. <laughs> the organizers said that they put up the display to show that Wall Street had gone bananas. Yes. Whatever. What? The, <laughs> the 10,000 bananas will reportedly be donated to local food banks. I don't know when that's happening. Bananas yeah, three weeks. in the New York City cold at best will last three or four days. <laughs> and there's 10,000 of them. I don't know who's collecting them, how they're guaranteeing that the bananas will be handled carefully enough that they don't develop bruises that ruin them. Uh, just insanity. Pure insanity. The co-founders of Sapien Network said, and this is where it gets even worse, that they used Harambe to symbolize the millions of people who had suffered from the U.S. capitalist system. Okay, okay. So the real thing here is all venture capital must be stopped immediately <laughs> because an idea this retarded can't get off the ground without venture capital. 1,000%. Harabe, as you know, was the gorilla who was shot dead by a zookeeper in May of 2016 after the zookeeper feared for the life of a child who had fallen into the gorilla's enclosure. The gorilla never behaved aggressively towards the child, which was the big controversy. Why did you shoot him? He was just fine. The ape even appeared to be protecting the child, and the child did survive. The incident had resulted in international outrage. Here's a quote from the co-founders of Sapien Network who said that they were using Harambe to symbolize the millions of people who had suffered under the U.S. capitalist system. What people uh, a giant gorilla is symbolizing, I have to wonder. Quote, Though the gorilla never acted aggressively towards the child, Harambe was shot by zookeepers who were fearful for the child's safety. The bronze statue of Harambe, contrasted with the bronze charging bull of Wall Street, represents the millions of everyday people who struggle under a system that enriches wealthy elites and leaves the average person behind. 
it truly in nuts, right? Motherfucker, <laughs> how many Theo Bucks did you take for this idiotic <laughs> website of yours? Insane. Who are you to talk? Insane. Car, how are you feeling? Are you are you destabilized? Cause that no, no. Just... Actually, I'm consolidating my power, and I'm about to deliver a huge white pill. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. This statue uh, came about as, in some sense, as a... Uh, as a result of demand, um, emotional, <laughs> em, emotional demand, uh, you know, perhaps psychological demand. Uh huh. In some sense, this statue is a bit of an egregore. It's a tulpa, uh, or it has transformed into an egregore. And I and my okay. white pill, in when we're talking about the battlefield for people's brains, yeah, the white pill here is that. Our culture, our society, the people that comprise whatever this is <laughs> will relentlessly hang on to uh, cultural events of their own making bef- even more so than they will artificial government events, it seems. <laughs> it's so ch- is that a white pill or a clear pill? I don't pill? know. I'm is that one talking. of those things where you just look just, at it I'm and just, you go, I'm not an man, expert, but I am. I we're am not worth saving. <laughs> yeah. I just... I, I want to back you up here, Car, but I'm just really not. <laughs> yeah, sure but, what your but you're angle just reeling. Is. You're back. But Paz has fallen out of the bathroom. Paz has <laughs> yeah. exited the bathroom. I am the only I person left, in the I bathroom at this ago. time. Bird's I left gone. Minutes ago. It's very lonely here in this bathroom, <laughs> and I still have a lot of thinking to do. Uh, you know, it is. Yeah, I kind of am going to take. I un- listen, Car. I appreciate your uh, relentless optimism because yeah, that re- that was relentless. that was a yeah. relentless, relentless attempt at optimism. Is the word. Yeah, yeah, that was relentless. But I'm gonna have to side with pause here. This is a symptom of the of the insanity of the venture capitalist who has been given more money than he knows what to do with. Okay, but but let me now let me uh, allow me the time for a rebuttal, please. Had he created a statue of an average chimpanzee that did not resemble Harambee in any way, right. would it really be as effective? Again, the uh, no, you're right. No, it would not have been. It's meant case. to symbolize millions of human beings. Again, I don't know who or what a giant gorilla is meant to symbolize as far as human beings go. I don't you're think fo- anybody. I think I think you're focusing on the wrong parts of this. I, you know, I um, I just know Aaron's not here to give us the answer to it. Yeah, yeah, to to, to yeah. <laughs> And it would be a one word. And it would be a one word answer. Dude, it is. I saw this story. I checked five or six different websites to make sure it was real because it is unbelievable. It is real, though. It is very real. And again, I'm I'm on the pause line. This is what happens when you have too much money. When you become a unicorn company because you invented some social media network where the gimmick is, I, I don't know, you can't. You know, Sign say, up unless you're a monkey. Or... Yes, you have to. I don't know. Careful. I have no. You have to. You have to send in a video of you scratching your armpits and jumping up and down and screeching. I don't know what the gimmick of this Sapien network is. All I know is it's it's truly insane. And perhaps the white pill on my end is that it actually does exist. That that we actually got to spend ten minutes talking about it. It's an egregore. You know, yes, that is technically correct. <laughs> that's all I wanted from Boz. That's all. That's all I needed from Boz. Uh, <laughs> how many hands are on the wheel? Car? Two. Two hands. <laughs> Squaw.